0: Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, worship team. Will you turn with me, please, to the Gospel of Matthew and to chapter six? We're continuing, as uh, we've already been reminded, our series, Kingdom Come, it's number two uh, this morning. And uh, these words are found in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And just want to read a few verses, well known verses, from verse 25 of Matthew 6. Through to the end of that chapter, these are verses that those of us in ministry over the years, I'm sure, have used many, many times as a means of help and comfort um, and blessing to those who perhaps have been in need in some way or another. But they contain a command and they contain a challenge, and that's particularly what we're looking at this morning. But let's read this passage again that we might be encouraged and blessed. Matthew 6, verse 25 Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And we all hear that word this morning, don't we, folks? (laughs) It's so important, so great, so encouraging. Our verse is verse 33, but seek first his kingdom, that's God's kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We have here the action that we are commanded to take, seek. We have here what we're told to seek, that is God's kingdom and his righteousness, and we are told something about the happy outcome when we do seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, namely that all these things will be added to us or given to us as well. So to the action that is commanded, we are to seek. There's an awful lot of searching and seeking in our world today for all kinds of things, for stuff that will give people a sense of well-being, things that perhaps they don't actually need but they really would love to have and want and desire. But the most important and the vital thing anyone can seek and search for, dear friends this morning, is the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God of Christ in our life. And when Jesus is ruling and reigning in our life, then it brings fullness of joy, it brings to us a peace that passes all understanding, a truly fullness of life, a hope that is sure and certain. Of eternal life and these are but a few of the glorious blessings and consequences of seeking and knowing and entering in to the kingdom of God seek first his kingdom and his righteousness now the first thing about seeking the kingdom of God surely has to be how do we get into the kingdom of God if we're seeking the kingdom well where is it how do we get in to the kingdom of God And it's interesting in uh, this Sermon on the Mount, in the next chapter, chapter 7, Jesus says here at verse 13, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. We are familiar as well with that great gospel text, aren't we, in John 3, 16, that simply reminds us how God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Entrance into the kingdom of God is simply about believing in Jesus Christ. Not simply that he lived and was an historical person, 54% of non-Christian people we discovered this morning believe that, and that is encouraging. It isn't just about believing all the stuff that he did, the marvelous parables that he told, the example that he set before us, the miracles that he performed. It's principally about believing that Jesus was the one who died for us upon the cross, I love that great Easter hymn. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, What a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. What did he do? He sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. That is what Jesus has done. An entrance to the kingdom of God, dear friends, is via the cross, where we need to come as a sinner to Jesus, to confess our sin, to cry out to him for forgiveness, to thank Jesus for dying for us, to invite him to take over our life, to take control of our life, to lead us and guide us. Now, that is not a very popular point of view in our world today, is it? Our world does not like this notion at all. Its message to us is, listen, you need to take control of your life. You do what seems right, what seems good to you. Don't let anybody else tell you what you have to do. But the gospel, if we're to enter into the kingdom of God and to know fully more and more about what that kingdom is, involves being willing to surrender our life to the rule and the reign of King Jesus. Can I ask you, my friend, if you have done that this morning? Have you invited Jesus into your heart and into your life? If not, can I urge you to do so because nothing else is as important as this? There may be many needs in your life. You may be enduring circumstances and in a situation that is troublesome and you give anything to, to get this thing sorted out. But, my friend, this is the most important, to know Jesus Christ to then enter into a life of real joy and meaning and purpose, to begin to have a great adventure opening up for you, to walk with a friend who is always there to provide for you, to lead you and to guide you and to take care of you. And do you know who his name is? It's Jesus. How wonderful. Seek first the kingdom of God. That means discovering how it is that we might enter into the kingdom, And it's to come to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Really seek. Don't just ask a few questions. It's not about playing a game of hide and seek. You know what it used to be when we were playing hide and seek as kids? After a few minutes, if you didn't find someone, you just gave up, right? And you shouted, where are you? I can't find you. Please don't do that with the kingdom of God. Seek it. And there are a couple of words in the New Testament that help us understand what it really means to seek. And one word for seeking is the word which means to hunt or to chase, to pursue. And the picture is, as you can imagine, of a hunter. And this hunter is committed very much to getting his trophy. He goes out into the forest, he looks for tracks on the ground, he stalks his prey. He sniffs the air for a scent of the animal. You can imagine it, can't you? Uh, when we were in France, we used to have quite a few hunters around, and uh, most Sunday mornings there used to be a hunt locally. And You'd hear the guns pop off, and uh, they loved their hunting to the French. But to hunt, he watches, he waits, he tracks, he strategizes, and because of his diligence and his planning and his determination, he gets the prize. Now, you may be interested to know this is the word that Peter uses when he says in 1 Peter chapter 3 about seeking peace. Boy, does our world need peace today! To seek it in this way, as a hunter. And there's an element of truth in this word here in Matthew 6, verse 33, about seeking the kingdom. For sure, we should seek it with the determination and the skill of a hunter after its prey. But there's another idea and another meaning, which is the primary meaning of the word here used in chapter 6, verse 33, when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. It is the word that is used to speak of a person who is so upset about not getting what he wanted that he turns to the court system to sue or to demand what he is seeking after and striving for. So instead of taking no for an answer, this person is so intent on getting his way that he will search, he will seek, he will investigate, he will never give up in pursuit of what he wants, what he is seeking, and if necessary, he's going to take it to the court. He's even prepared to twist the facts, to look for loopholes, to put words in other people's mouths, to try and hold others accountable for promises they never made. The bottom line is, he'll do whatever it takes to get what he's after in the court. Now, that's the primary idea of this word, seek, here. When the Lord Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, do whatever it takes to seek the kingdom of God. Seek Jesus, my friend, until you find him. And the good news is he promises to be found. Uh, do you love the story of the prodigal son, the lost son? He goes away, doesn't he, into the, into the wilderness and he struggles, but he comes to his senses, I'm going home to dad. And his father is there waiting, looking, and he runs towards him, he embraces him, he welcomes him in back into the family, back into the fold, and there is great celebration. If you found Jesus, my friend, this morning, you trusting him as your savior? If not, can I invite you to do so? And if you love someone to talk with you and pray with you afterwards, do take that opportunity. I remember when I was just quite young, (laughs) was in my father's church. He was a Baptist minister in Southampton, and he was preaching one Sunday night. And This dear old lady came up after the service, tears streaming down her face. Said, I need to talk to you, pastor. Now, I need to tell you about this lady. She was a lovely lady. She was quite old, (laughs) very old, in fact. (laughs) And uh, she uh, attended the church. She was at every members' meeting, Thursday night, members' meeting. And she was at every members' meeting. She wouldn't miss. And she would love to contribute to the discussion. If anybody ever asked her to do something in the church, she would gladly and willingly do it. If a volunteer was asked for it, she'd be there. She knew a lot of people, and a lot of people knew her and loved her. Thought her a marvelous lady. We've got some of those marvelous ladies in our church, and we thank God for you. But this night she came to the front of the church, tears streaming down her face. Pastor, she said, I need to give my life to Jesus tonight. What? All these years? You, you've been a follower of Jesus, surely. No, she said. I've done lots of good stuff, been part of the church, part of the membership, but I've got to tell you, right here, right now, the bottom line is. God has convicted me tonight, I have never, ever truly surrendered my life to Jesus. It's possible to be a member of the local church. It's possible to be engaged in all manner of good works. And it's possible at the same time to have never surrendered our life fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, can you consider that? Is it possible somebody, maybe even here this morning, is in that place? Suddenly realizes the Spirit of God is at work and convicts you. I wonder, have I really given my life to Jesus? How important that is. Now, our verse tells us seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. The person who does not know Jesus is to seek God's kingdom, to come to know Jesus as their Savior, to then become part of the kingdom of God. But, friends, that is not the end of our seeking of God's kingdom. Jesus says to us, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Once we've trusted in Jesus, once we've entered into the kingdom of God, does it not follow that we want to enter fully into it, that we will want to enjoy everything that it has to give to us? David and I, a while back, walked the Camino de Santiago. We left the lovely little village of, uh, well, it's a town, I guess, of saint jean pierre de port in the French Pyrenees, and we embarked on an 820-mile walk to Santiago. And after three kilometers, I'd had enough. You'll be pleased to know, I got there in the end. But those first three kilometers, that first day, 30 kilometers, was agony. David wrote a message home to Pauline and said, I think I've killed Dad. <laughs> and it felt like he had. It was terrible. Straight up like that, out of the town. Then we turned off the uh, the, the concrete road and onto a path that was rocky. And ahead of me, there was this path, and it went on and on and on. Then there was a bend, and I thought, oh, we're nearly at the top. You get to the bend, it goes on again. (laughs) And you get to the bend, and it goes on again. And it went on and on like that for nearly 30 kilometers. It was hard. It was tough. But it was awesome. Because at every turn of the bend, there was this magnificent view that we hadn't seen before, and God blessed us that day with a day of amazing bright light and sunshine. Often you go over the Pyrenees, you don't see a thing because it's so high up and it's cloudy and dark, but we saw it all. And it got bigger and better and more wonderful the higher we climbed. And there's a sense in which I want to put it to you, that's a bit like the kingdom of heaven. To begin with, to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness is not a doddle in the park. (laughs) It can be tough. It can be hard. Especially when God speaks to us and we're not too keen on what it is that he's asking us to do, right? But I tell you this, the journey is so, so worthwhile. It's amazing. It is awesome. And God wants us to seek his kingdom, to fully enter into it, to enjoy it. Jesus has given us eternal life and He must now become our life itself. Paul put it simply like this, for me to live is Christ. To seek God's kingdom and His righteousness, that's important, that's what it's about for us as believers. And at the heart of any kind of understanding of the kingdom of God is this matter of growth, inextricably linked with the idea of power, And I haven't got time to look at that, maybe someone else will during the rest of this series, but you look at the parables of the kingdom that Jesus spoke. In Mark 4, for example, the parable of the good sower, the seed and the mustard seed, they all speak of growth and of power. We must pass that by, but that's part of what entering into the kingdom is about, about experiencing. And to simply acknowledge evidence of the kingdom of God in our world is found by the way those who belong to the kingdom are living their lives in the way that God has set out for them. Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 20, once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God will come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with careful observation. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God Is within you. That's how the world will know something about the kingdom of God, when they see us living out that kingdom in our own lives, that righteousness of Christ. It is simply the rule and the reign of God in me. And can I put it to you that the purpose and the calling that we have is eventually to have positions of authority and rule alongside Jesus in His coming kingdom. For as we were reminded last week, the kingdom is now, and it is also yet to come. And maybe it is that here and now, living on earth, it's our training ground for that which is truly yet to be. So having entered into the kingdom of God, we are still to seek with determination and urgency the kingdom of God. As followers of Christ, we're part of that kingdom already. But what does it mean? to still seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness as a Christian, as a believer, who has now entered into that kingdom. What is it we are to still be seeking with regard to the kingdom of God? And I think of all that can be said, there's one very simple thing I want to share with you this morning. Fundamentally, it is to grow to be like Jesus. We are to partake fully of the life of Christ. We are to conform to the likeness of Christ. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 in verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. Then a few chapters on in Romans 12, he says in verses 1 and 2, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. This is what seeking God's kingdom is all about and his righteousness. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. This is what you and I should now be seeking after with regard to the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The rule and reign of Christ in our lives and in our hearts. We're to spread the perfume of God. Yes, you ladies, you love a bit of perfume. And uh, so often we can walk down the street and think, what's that? Particularly go over the tunnels just down the road in Christchurch here. You go under those tunnels and... And our ladies walk by with this amazing perfume. And you smell it and it's delightful. And you love it. I'm often tempted sometimes to stop and say, excuse me, what's your perfume? Because I think my wife might like it. But it's probably not appropriate, is it? But we are to be the perfume of God. The fragrance like that of love and of compassion and of care. Of things like patience and forgiveness. These are the things we are to exercise in our life, kindness, gentleness, humility, as we seek after the kingdom of God and the rule and reign of Christ in our lives. We are to be a joyful people, a thankful people. How are you getting on? How is it happening in your life right now in seeking the kingdom of God as a follower of God? What I wonder would be the verdict of heaven if assessment of our progress was made on our life in this regard, right here, right now. I always find the words of our Savior in the letter to the church at Laodicea incredibly challenging. Revelation 3, verse 15. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. There's a little bit of wriggle room there. <laughs> I'm about to. I'm not going to do it just this instant, but I'm about to. You say I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. What an indictment that is upon the people of God. Lukewarm Christianity makes God sick. That's a tough reality. Don't blame me, that's the word of God. Are we seeking as a follower of Jesus Christ truly the kingdom of God and his righteousness? I'm sure you'd acknowledge with me none of us have yet arrived. And there's a sense in which we never will until we're part of the future kingdom when we're changed into the beautiful likeness of Jesus. Jesus. But seeking after God's kingdom and his righteousness is about seeking to be more like Jesus, allowing him to rule and reign our lives here and now. Can I urge you, dear friends, this morning to seek and to experience all we can of God and his kingdom and his rule, his righteousness, his rule and reign in every part of life and every moment of every day of our life, to seek to be like Jesus. Fundamentally, that's what seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness is all about. But then we discover in this verse that if we do that, all these things will be given to us as well. Please don't run away with the idea that that involves having a blank check, and all we've got to do if we're followers of Jesus and in tune with the work of the Holy Spirit and his direction in our lives, that we can ask of anything and and God will grant it to us. That's not how it works. The promise here uh, for these things to be given. What things? Those basic needs of our life that so often we can worry about and fret about and be concerned over. What food? What drink? What clothing? Roof over our head. That which is basic, that which is important. And our text tells us that, that our Heavenly Father knows all about this. Jesus knows all about that, and he simply says, look, I don't want you to worry about those things. I'll tell you what, seek first the kingdom of God, seek first my righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. What incentive to seek the Lord this morning? But there's just something else that we need to look at and consider as we close our thoughts this morning. Carved in an old Gothic alphabet, on a towering, ornate cathedral door in the heart of a small town in Germany are the words of an old poem. They date back to Luther's time. It is possible that he may have read these words, and what he read might have started him on his spiritual journey that in the end led him to reformation in his own life and reformation in the church of 16th century Germany. Translated into English, they are incredibly challenging, perhaps even terrifying. But I want to share them with you all the same. And as each phrase this poem is read out, can I invite you to prayerfully consider whether there's an element of truth in this phrase and this phrase and this phrase with regard to your life. And if there is, to determine before God that you would seek to remedy that and put it right. Because it's about seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Here's the poem God is speaking. You call me eternal, but then do not seek me. You call me fair, but then do not love me. You call me gracious, but then do not trust me. You call me just then do not fear me. You call me life, but then do not choose me. You call me light, but then do not see me. You call me Lord, but then do not respect me. You call me master, but then do not obey me. You call me merciful, but then do not thank me. You call me mighty, then do not honor me. You call me noble, but then do not serve me. You call me rich, but then do not ask me. You call me Savior, but then do not praise me. You call me shepherd, but then do not follow me. You call me way, but then do not walk with me. You call me wise, but then do not need me. You call me son of God, and then you do not worship me. When I sentence you, then do not blame me. I realize for some of us, to dash, and if that's you, then that's fine. Uh, disappear, just sneak out. We've been deeply challenged, I think, this morning to make sure that we are right with our Savior. We're right with Jesus today, maybe to trust him for the first time, or maybe to say to Jesus afresh, you know what, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to make more room for you in my life. I'm going to pursue even more as my first priority, the kingdom of God. Let's make sure just as we respond as the worship team lead us that we're right with Jesus before we leave this place this morning. If you need to sneak away, that's fine. If you've got children in the kids' groups, don't worry. They're in safe hands and they'll be well looked after. Let's respond this morning as God leads us as we continue to be led in worship.
1: Do I Shake up the ground and form my tradition.